0: Friends who I love, uh, we've all been giving a sense of justice. We all have an idea of what is right and what is wrong. And because of this, we want all of the wrongs righted and what is right preserved. Because of this, at one time or another, we've declared with some passion, that's not right. Now, I suppose we can start with some light things. Do you know that there is a right and a wrong way to load a dishwasher? And if the person you're married with uh, disagrees about that, you might be saying, that's not right. Let me show you how. There's a right and a uh, wrong way to fold laundry. I don't know if your wife folds T-shirts different than you. There is right and wrong in fashion, and maybe you've come across the fashion police. I had to laugh. Uh, My grandfather in heaven now, in 94, saw my wife wearing ripped jeans and said, that's not right. I'll give you $5 to buy a new pair of slacks. (laughs) Isn't that great? And so we know what it is to say that's not right on light things. But we also know what it is to say that's not right on very serious and heavy topics. I don't know about you, but it seems like now more than ever, people who don't normally stand on a soapbox are finding one. Have you noticed that? And they are, in a passionate way, saying, that's not right. That's not right, what's happening politically. That's not right, what's happening in our schools. That's not right, what's happening because of the pandemic and how you're processing or handling it. That's not right. And we all have different passion points, but perhaps you found one along the way. I had come across something just this past week. I was um, watching Tim Tebow. I-, I met him once, and uh, I actually get texts from Tim Tebow. You can just sign up. And so, like, someone was looking at my phone like, you get texts from Tebow? Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> I do. I didn't tell him he could, too, but anyway. And-, and I came across his feed, and I was seeing for his birthday, he was speaking about a- about something that he said isn't right. And the topic was that of human trafficking. And he was raising money. He was trying to get half a million dollars in order to fight what is collective, maybe, we could say, is not right. Because here's some information about human trafficking. 40 million people globally are being affected by it. It is a $150 billion industry. And the United States of America is leading the demand is leading in demand. There is not a state in the U.S. where this is not going on. And when we consider all of that, there should be a sense where we collectively say, that's not right. And so we've all had this experience of getting really impassioned and finding the soapbox where you're not a soapboxer. But maybe you've also had this experience where you tried to do something and you tried to move the needle and you tried to be part of the solution, not the problem, but it was so hard to move the needle, if at all. And what's with that? And as much as the world continues and we advance in technology and education, shouldn't we then advance in problem solving? Why is slavery eradicated in one age and then popping up in a different form today? What's going on? which is why I love being here. What other place will give us as much perspective as meeting with God and hearing his voice? And something you should know about God, if if you're just joining us, if you're new today, God is better than you can even imagine. And there's a word for that. We sang about it this morning. He's so good, we call him holy. You know what holy means? He can't get it wrong. He's never unjust. He is perfect in all of his ways. I grew up singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And that's a picture of the end, actually, where we gather together and sing, Holy, 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 that's who God is. And something you should then know about God is this, that God's sense of justice, it is perfect. He doesn't miss anything. And he wants an accounting for everything. Everything. But something I'd permit to you is that our sense of justice is skewed. Can I give you proof? So we're at McDonald's and my daughter Nadia orders a vanilla shake. We love ice cream. And the McDonald's helpers say, you know, we made an extra one. Uh, Would you like it? Here's what we don't say. That's not right. We should pay for that. Uh, We don't want you to, here, $5? Okay. What did we say? Thank you. Thank you so much. That's so nice. (laughs) Flip it. What happens when we order a vanilla shake and they don't give it to us? What do we say? That's not right. Our sense of justice is skewed, isn't it? to our personal bias, our preference, and our history. Consider the topic of mercy and justice. Now as we get into a spiritual conversation, when you go to God, what do you want from God? Do you want him to be just or merciful? When I go to God, I I say, God, please don't treat me as my sins deserve. I can't handle it. Please show me mercy. What do you want for the people who hurt you, justice or mercy? Zap them, Lord. Yours is to avenge. I'll hold back for now. Get him. Sick him. Right? And so how great to come together and see a perfect justice, a holy God, someone who is not biased, who can stand above and sort things out, and that's what's going to happen in the end. And that's so important for you to know. It's so important for you to hear it's going to happen in the end because that's a tip-off that it's not going to happen right now. There will be injustice. And I recognize that just reading the Bible. This last week I was in the Minor Prophets, and there they were talking about selling people for a loaf of bread, which reminds me this is not a new thing to sell people. This has been going on since the world got broken. Or I consider this one time, there, there was perfume poured on Jesus' feet, and, and their conversation come up about the poor. Why didn't you sell this and give it to the poor? And Jesus said, you know what? The poor you're always going to have. Because the world is broken. And I'm not saying don't be part of a good cause, and I'm not saying don't love other people. Love matters in a broken world, maybe more than ever. But I'm trying to set the tone of where we can expect perfect justice. I think that's what we're going to find as we get into God's Word, so let's do that. Our scripture for today is uh, Paul's letter to Christians in Thessalonica. And in Thessalonica, there was something that wasn't right, and Paul was speaking out about it. He was saying, it's not right that you're being persecuted. That is not good. That physical and emotional persecution over faith in Jesus, that's not right. But his encouragement, but there will be justice. There will be justice. As we turn to the word of God, would you join with me in just standing as we hear the word? Uh, We do this just to honor that God is speaking to us through these words. So we continue. That is okay. I got a Bible. Very good. We ought to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love of all, the love all of you have for one another is increasing. That is, by the way, marks of maturity, when your faith is growing and your love is increasing. A sign of immaturity is when your love is decreasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you'll be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when? Not on earth. When will justice come? When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. On the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at all those who believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our god may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith we pray this so that the name of our lord jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our god and the lord jesus christ these are the powerful words we can consider could you say out loud there will be justice Amen and amen. Uh, Please be seated. So do you hear what they're doing in Wuhan, China? In Wuhan, China, the place where it was speculated that the virus started, uh, it made national global news that they were throwing a pool party. And for many people, this kind of rubbed them the wrong way, to say the least. Because in, in many countries, we're still on strict lockdown. Uh, We have mask ordinances. We have all the measures of precaution in place. And they're partying without reservation. Now, there was an interview about a taxi driver, of what they thought uh, among this this time period where they're partying. Um, And this was the comment from the taxi driver there. He said, I guess it rings a bell for some countries which are still struggling to fight COVID-19 that without strict measures the virus won't be fended off. We fought hard. And this is our payback. Now, obviously, these are charged words that may rub us the wrong way or some people the wrong way. Um, But I understand the point that they're trying to get across. We did the hard thing, and now we get the good thing. We did what was necessary, and now we're in a different spot. And I bring that up because that, that is what life is like, isn't it? You sometimes have to endure in order for the payback. Some of you might know this in saving money. You have to endure not going out, endure not spending the money you would otherwise spend on something else, so that the payback comes when you buy the video game system, the car, the house. Some of you know this about work. If you ever worked the weekends or worked on holidays, you know that they promise you time and a half, and you have to endure not being at the party, endure not being out on the weekend, but then you get... The payback later right when the check comes ah, feels good and much of life is this way if you can endure for a payback later on that is actually a sign of maturity instant gratification is a sign of immaturity I want it now and the reason I bring this up is because that is what God is saying will happen in the end because God has perfect justice there will be payback And our first takeaway is this, that in justice, that payback will bring some relief. And how good that is. In fact, in the book of Revelation, uh, this is what is described as well. Um, It says this in Revelation, don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. Uh, It might be hard for you on earth. Be faithful to the point of death. and, And here's the payback, I will give you life as your victor's crown. You get a crown. What did our lesson say? He will pay back relief, rest. It ceases like the weekend, like a nap. He's paying that back to you when? At the end, when he returns. There's another parable called the parable of the talents where God gives these gifts, and it represents time and talent and opportunity. And as he gives them, uh, we use them during our lifetime. But it's at the very end that there is an accounting for what we did with all of these things. God in his perfect justice uh, appropriates what we have done. And at the end of the parable, uh, to those who have used it well, he said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. In fact, in our staff discussions this week, we talked about that this life, the whole of it, is a placement test. You ever taken one of those? God is looking right now at how you're enduring, how you're striving for your placement someday because there's payback. And what will it be like for some? What will it feel like for some? Well, here I'm reminded what happens when someone pushes and pushes and pushes and pushes and pushes and pushes and 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 is finally done. Do you know what a common reaction to do at that point is when you're finally done? <laughs> to cry. <laughs> I recognize this watching The Last Dance. Did you guys watch that? <clears throat> so, Jordan, known for being kind of an intense guy, pushing other people, pushing himself, push and push and push. In fact, at one point he said, uh, People won't want to be me because of how he pushes and pushes and pushes and pushes. And after he was finally done pushing, what happened when he won his first championship? He just cried. He had just given it all. And because it was finally over, he could just be released. This reminds me of families who may be apart because of military service or can't see each other, and you push to endure, and you push to like keep the house together, and you push to stay strong. But when that person finally comes back, whether it be a son, whether it be a father, whether it be a mother, there is tears, there is this feeling that we finally made it done and here's the good news for some that in the end God is finally gonna invite you to be done pushing and he's gonna tell you it's over and I don't know about you but for me I think that many of our reactions will feel much like Michael Jordan that you'll finally be so free to just fall down and cry because it's done. I consider the words of I Can Only Imagine, that song by Mercy Me, where he's trying to understand what will it be like. Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in awe of you, be still? Will I stand in your presence or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? And my answer today is that I am going to fall to my knees and I'm not going to be speaking because I am going to be weeping because it's finally done. Done. that's for some. What about others? Another very clear point that the world does not want to believe anymore and you might have friends who don't want to believe and it's not popular to preach on anymore and some have called it fire and brimstone is this principle that comes out in the lesson, injustice payback will bring punishment. And I was doing some research, do you know that more people believe in a heaven than a hell? And it's separated by at least 25 percentile points of those who'd rather believe in a heaven than a hell. And yet, what does God say about the end? What does he clearly say? He says he's going to pay back trouble to the troublers. And what does that trouble look like? They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and the glory of his might. Destruction means ruin, means death. It will be ongoingly bad. And the reason is because you're shut out from the presence of the Lord. You're separated from everything that is good, so how could it at all be good? And when you read the New Testament, you see Jesus preach on the doctrine of hell often. He refers to Gehenna, a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. He, he, He refers to a place where the fire is not quenched and the worm does not die. Sadness and pain eternally. In fact, earlier in this year, I, I preached on a very extreme picture in Revelation of the separation of believers and unbelievers. And in Revelation, look at the picture of God's wrath. The angel swung his sickle on the earth, gathered its grapes and threw them into the great winepress of God's wrath. They were trampled in the winepress outside the city and blood flowed out of the press, rising as high as the horse's bridle for a distance of 1,600 stadia. This is a picture Of those without faith, receiving God's wrath. And it's not wine, it is blood. And that blood is as so much it goes up to the horse's bridle and it is so far it's 200 miles long. This is a rare word today, isn't it? But it is a word from God. And so for some, the end will be like this. It'll be like mom or dad saying, when dad comes home, right? But there might be a spirit raising up, like, pastor, but I thought our church is named Amazing Love, and I thought God was the God of true and faithful love, and and there's mercies new every morning. And, And I say to you, yes, that is true. God is better than you know right now. He is everything you just described. He is amazing in his love. It's all true. But God is just. And here's the thing about God. You cannot be completely good without being just. It is impossible. Let me prove it. If you have a principal at school, some of you have principals, and they are just known for being the nice guy, they are funny, they're good conversationalists, they handle children well. If they're only known for being the nice guy, they are still not yet completely good. For to be a principal, you need to make sure you're not only nice, that you bring justice. If you're a nice guy who never punishes bullies, and bullies are allowed to terrorize the rest of the school, you cannot no longer be called completely good. It is impossible. You are not, because justice deserves more, and you need to keep order. God, he is good. He is amazing in his love and his mercy. But he is so just that he does not wink and smile at sin. He doesn't brush it under a rug. He doesn't say it is okay. And that makes our hearts warm because this is what it means. Every time we felt injustice, every time we see injustice, we have confirmation from heaven that he feels that way too. In a perfect way. He is not for the oppression of people. He is not for human trafficking. He is not for when others are taken advantage of. He's not okay. And at this point, I guess we could be worried. To a degree, let me explain. Because if we're honest with ourselves in our heart of hearts, it's not just that we've been oppressed, it's that we've been the oppressor. And every one of us can say that. At one time or another, it's not just that someone oppressed me, it's that I oppressed someone else. When I was in a mood and I was just harsh. When I labeled this coworker that I just didn't mesh with and then I treated him that way. When I steal and covet and manipulate to get my way, when I take advantage of the weak, whether through an emotional attack, whether through a physical attack, we have all at times been the oppressor, not just the oppressed. So, where's the peace? Can I tell you about Jesus? Have I told you he's good? Is his name not beautiful? Jesus. Because standing in the middle of two groups that would say, that's not right, and they'd say, that's not right, and a group that says, you hurt me, and and you hurt me, is Jesus and his cross. Jesus, who is complete in mercy and justice and goodness. And when we journey to the cross, you know what we find? We find punishment for every sin and every oppression, Punishment is real and paid there. And at the cross, we find complete justice. But we also find complete mercy. We find a reason for God not to treat us as our sins deserve, but as Jesus deserves. And so we are released. And we don't live in fear And we don't worry about hell. And we look forward to heaven. Why? Because of mercy. And it is yours and it is mine. And God talks about that justice and mercy meeting in the book of Romans. He says this, God presented Christ as then a sacrifice of atonement. He's going to pay for sin. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as be just in the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. There is punishment and mercy at the same time, and when it comes to God in Jesus Christ, we find that. Perfect mercy and perfect justice. Dear friends, let me remind you, your sins have been paid for. You have received the mercy of God. But let me also warn you, if you have rejected Jesus, if you're new, if you don't care about spiritual things, there is a dichotomy. Either Jesus can pay for your sins right now or you'll pay forever in hell. That's a real word. I appeal to you through the Holy Spirit to receive the payment that Jesus has for sin. where do we go from here? If God has had mercy on us, how should we treat others? Should we only be about justice or should we be about mercy? You know, it's interesting. We live in a world of double standards. I notice this every time when I'm driving. You come to this moment where someone needs to get into traffic, right? Right? especially in the Chicago area. And then for me, it's always fun to watch, now what are they going to do when someone else needs to get in? have you ever someone be totally hypocritical? They were just let in, but now they're fastidious of not letting anyone else in. Or you know how also it happens? Some people pride themselves in being in their lane and always being in their lane until that moment where that's their MO, but they need to get in because they're new in town or they're new to an area, and now they are hypocritical. I was here first. Don't let me in. It happens in customer service. If you ever worked in customer service, you know what it is to maybe go off on the customers that you serve. And not to them, but like about them. Because it's hard to manage people. And, and they're angry a lot of the time. And, and they're very selfish a lot of the time. And, and so sometimes or another, you know, you, you know what it is to like put up with the angry customer until you become the angry customer. Because <laughs> those who've worked in customer service at one point or another were rude to those who were trying to serve them. We live in a complete world of double standards. And this was proved through a prophet named Jonah. Let me tell you a little about his story. Jonah did something so awful. God gave him a very direct word, and he did the opposite. The complete opposite. Jonah was told, go to Nineveh, preach the word. He goes the opposite way and doesn't want to preach. (laughs) Some of you might know he was swallowed by a great fish and sent the other way, given mercy. But as he's in Nineveh, He hates these people. Politically, they are not aligned. The Ninevites, the Assyrians, they were oppressors. They they were like the Germans during the time of Hitler. They, They were so bad to the nations around them that Jonah can't get himself to do his job. In fact, even after he did his job reluctantly, he sat over the city hoping that the Lord would destroy it. That's Jonah. And so he's sitting there after he's been shown mercy a whale or a fish, hoping that they're gonna burn. And God creates a leafy plant. <laughs> and he's so fickle and petty. Not that I can relate to that. But he's so fickle and petty, he's like, oh, I love this leafy plant. This, this leafy plant is my, it's my new best friend. <laughs> he loves things without souls more than things with souls. Can you relate? <laughs> he wasn't the first one to love dogs more than people. Um, oh, I love this leafy plant until it dies. God sends a worm to eat the plant. And Jonah is so petty, he's upset. He's like, I want to die! I was in the lawn chair with my leafy plant about to watch the destruction of the Ninevites. What's going on? This heat is brutal. God says, you hypocrite. He doesn't actually say that. But look what he does say. You've been concerned about a plant. (laughs) Should I not have had concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people? What did Jonah want? He wanted mercy for himself. What did he want for others? Get them, Lord! And as I consider scriptures, I think when we are in the Spirit, the Spirit starts flipping our hearts. Because it's through the Spirit where now, instead of wanting justice, we hold ourselves to justice. And you know what we give to others? Mercy. And so Prophet Micah who talked about this flip. Micah said this, he has shown you what is good. He has treated you better than your sins deserve. And now what does he require? That you would hold yourself to justice and that you would love to give mercy. And so the flip today is let's want justice from ourselves, but be loving to give mercy to others. And this is the way of a believer now. If you know the story of grace, if he loved you when you were unlovable, this is the way of our lives now. It is ours to hold ourselves to the standard. And to now reflect, is there anyone who I have been oppressing Because that's what God holds me to out of thanks for what he has done. Is there anyone that I just go off to, I'm unfair to, I'm unkind to? And may the Holy Spirit give you wisdom. But it's ours then to then be radical of mercy to others. And the only way you do that is you go to the cross and first of all at the cross you see all of your stuff covered. Every bit of it. But you also see theirs And flowing first to you and then to them you can't come away from that still holding a grudge it's not for us friends you can't come away from that and hate your enemies it's not for us in the spirit friends we have to love mercy to close I wanted to tell you and maybe you've heard of a great example of this uh, Louis Zamperini heard his story Anyone heard of Louis Zamperini? Um, He's a World War II vet, and he was a prisoner of war during that time. Um, As his time as a prisoner of war, uh, they tried to break him. Uh, He was there for years in prison. He was later released, and um, he heard the gospel through Billy Graham, kind of a powerful preacher. Became a Christian, and the word just shaped his life. So that after the war, when those who had oppressed him were getting their just desserts and justice truly, when they were in prison in Tokyo, Louis Zamperini went to go visit them. And here's what he didn't want for them. More justice. He didn't say, how does it feel? And you got what was coming to you. And I hope it hurts. You know why he went there? To Tokyo? This is, this is remarkable. I don't know if I could ever, ever do this or imagine it. He went there to tell them they're forgiven because he loved mercy. The same ones who had oppressed and beaten and broken him, he went and he offered mercy. And it's then that incredible things happen. He had nightmares for years and the nightmares stopped. And it's then that some of them too came to believe in Jesus. Some of them, too, came to find, wow, there is a different way. There is mercy in this world. I need more of that. This is a God who loves to give mercy and was seen through Louis Zamperini. What if it was seen through us? What if Christians as a whole said, you know what, I'm going to do... I'm going to hold myself to the highest standard as I act justly. And for everyone else, I am going to love mercy. And I'm going to make sure they know they can be forgiven. That's the opportunity. And this is how we reach the lost. Let me pray for you. So, Heavenly Father, You stand far above us, and the way I react to things is soft and petty, trite, and self-centered. Thank you for dealing with me according to your mercy. You don't give me what I deserve, but so much better, now and eternally. Let me love mercy. Let it shape the world around me and the interactions with the sinners in my life. Protect, Lord, and grant peace to those who are currently oppressed. According to your will, help us to do our part to release the oppression of others. And we look forward to the rest and relief when you come, but strengthen us until then, in Jesus' name, amen.